0: Welcome to Powered by, by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions.
1: Let's take this journey together.
0: Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. All right, so we're doing uh, prehistory and Mary Lee, but before we get there, how has your week been? My week
1: has been pretty good. I managed to get a little cleaning done. Always excited about that. Nice, You know, motivation. Mm -hmm. I started pet sitting, so that is a bit difficult. My sleep becomes quite erratic and Mm. disrupted. I also started working on my book. As you know, I do these photo books of my pets and Mm, all of that. mm -hmm. So I started working on a photo book for my kitty cat who passed away in December.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's taken
1: me quite a while to kind of work up to getting to that point, but I have started that. Oh, So that is really what I've been up to. Okay, (laughs) okay.
0: Pretty concise. What about you? Let's see. So this week has been pretty quiet, but... On Thursday, I went to a friend's place, and we had dinner, and we decided that we were going to do a D&D night, uh, just me and two other people, so the one person will DM, and then the other person and me will be players, and we'll do this on Wednesday nights, and I have no idea what she's going to do. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It'll be something that I'm not DMing, which I DM on Tuesdays. Or actually technically GM because DM's for Dungeons and Dragons. But I GM on Tuesdays for my own game. But other than that, not much has happened. I mean, I talked to my counselor. That went great. So on and so forth. Okay. It's been a good week. I always like hearing that. Well, let's dig right on in. Okay. Uh, Sylvia, would you start us off? Yeah. Mesopotamian magic. So ancient Mesopotamia was a place of ancient culture. They developed domestication, animal herding, and ag- agriculture somewhere around 8,000 BC. The civilization itself lasted from 3,000 BC to almost 500 BC. On top of being a powerhouse of civilization, it was also a place of magic, witches, sorcerers, exorcists, and diviners. I think that's so cool. I know, right? There were many types, as you can see. Yeah. Yeah. Often a witch or sorcerer would specialize in one thing. Keep in mind that science, medicine, and magic were still considered to be one and the same, so your doctor might try and placate an angry god, as well as give you herbs for sickness. The Mesopotamians wrote a ton, leaving us with the likes of the Epic of Gilgamesh, culture and society texts, as well as almost 30% of those texts being about magic. Now, this would have included occult stuff as well as things explaining magic and how it was done. One such text is called Maklu, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's as good. good as guess as I would do. Uh, written on nine tablets, its name means burning, which will become obvious for the reason why it's called that later. It was done somewhere around 700 BC. Nearly 100 incantations are written on the first eight tablets, while the last tablet gives directions for a ritual to help an exorcist and their patient. This ceremony includes the burning of a figurine representing a witch to dispel the effects of the magic of that witch. Now that's where the name burning comes from, Maklu. Mm -hmm. Rather than witch trials and hunts in ancient Mesopotamia, it was customary to create one or two, man and woman, just in case it was one or the other, to represent the witch thought to have cursed or bound the patient. It was believed that witches tricked the gods or goddesses, posing it as a genuine need of theirs. The ceremony to reverse that magic was to show the gods that they'd been tricked, and then it was believed that the bat magic would be cast back to the one who did it in the first place. It was not customary to find out or directly represent the witch, even if the source was suspected, as it was thought that being an innocent and unaware was ideal. It was also not customary to accuse someone of witchcraft, as the penalty for failing to prove someone a practitioner of black magic was the same penalty as practicing black magic yourself. I think that's really fair, and that makes a lot of sense. Right. And the penalty was death. So... Rather, um, yeah. Yeah, rather, that's it. Yep, done. There was also the reading of celestial omens. These mostly pertain to the king and the kingdom. One text, called the Enuma Anu Enlil, has around 7,000 omens written in the text. One of the specialist diviners of ancient Mesopotamia were the Baru, They read the liver of a sacrificed animal to make predictions, and this was for more, you know, down-to-earth, more everyday stuff. All in all, the records show that magic, gods, and goddesses were a part of everyday life in ancient Mesopotamia.
1: Yeah, that's really awesome. Thank you for that. That's definitely nothing that I knew, Mm -hmm. and I love how you're going about breaking this up, because it was going to be a difficult task to try and do this as a timeline scenario in
0: all of this research
1: yeah and instead you switched it over to what was civilizations civilizations right and i just think that was a fantastic idea
0: yeah it just made so much more sense because doing it as a timeline things overlapped so much and it would just get confusing yeah so it's just like okay let's do this by civilization rather than timeline yeah yeah so great thank you yeah for next we have tatiana's section Yes, I am going to
1: cover the witch of the day, if you will. Our witch today is Mary Town Easty, baptized in August 24, 1634, and passed away in September on the 22nd of 1692. Her maiden name was Mary Town, the daughter of Joanna Town and William Town. She was born in Yarmouth, England. Mary and her family arrived in America somewhere between 1638 and 1640. Sounds like she
0: was really young at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, it seems like. like. Four years old or so. Right, yeah, somewhere in that, yeah, she's very young. Landing uh, first in Northfields, which is a part of Massachusetts Bay Colony. And later in 1651, she moved to Topsfield, Massachusetts. Fifteen years after that, she married Isaac Eastie in Topsfield, Massachusetts. Isaac had bought a piece of property, which later became one of the largest of the town's farms. That's pretty important if you think about pointing fingers back then. Oh, yeah. He was a farmer and a barrel maker. They had 11 children together. I read somewhere that they only had 7, but I think the more accurate one is 11, from what okay. I could tell. Because
0: the 11 one
1: showed names.
0: Ah. So I I believe that's probably the more accurate. Now, it may have been the 7 were the ones that survived.
1: Well,
0: it doesn't, still doesn't add up, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But that was a good idea. Yeah.
1: Just a thought. Yeah. She had eight brothers and three sisters, two of which were also condemned as witches in the Salem witch trials. One was Rebecca Nurse, which I think many of us have heard of before, mm-hmm. and uh, the other was Sarah Cloyce, hmm. who I didn't hear of, but there's a reason probably for that as I go on here. Mary's widowed mother had been accused for the use of witchcraft. However, she was never she never went to trial for the crime but it was later said that witchcraft was passed down through the family, mother to daughter. The Mm -hmm. rumors began with the Gould family after Joanna, Mary's mother, came to the defense of the local minister who had been accused of excessiveness, which angered the Gould family. The Gould family were close friends of the Putnam family, who became the main accuser in Mary Eastie's trial. There were other noted disagreements between the two families, but that's just to put it mildly. Oh, geez. But that is the one that was really notated. Talk about politics. Yeah. And, you know, just rocking the boat any little bit is mm-hmm. not a good idea. And no. sometimes you just didn't even know what was rocking the boat. Yeah. It it could be anything. You could be completely unaware that you did it. Mm-hmm. Again, it could be just a, something as simple
0: as having the biggest farm. Yeah. Yeah. And being the most, you know, wealthiest or whatever. Right. And that would just make you a target. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the trial. Mary Town
1: Eastie's trial began on April 22nd, 1692, after one of her accusers claimed that Mary had control of her. She mimicked Mary's movements while in trial when Mary put her ma- hands together, further saying that until she unclasped her hands, she, Mercy, could not undo her own and claimed that when Mary tilted her head, she was trying to break the girl's neck. What? (laughs) I know. What the hell? What the fuck? Mary was also accused of having sent her specter to Mercy Lewis's bed, her main accuser, and had been fondled by the ghost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no telling. Mm Mm-hmm. John Hathorne and Jonathan Corwin were the magistrates in her trial. John had some doubts about these condemnations and questioned whether or not the girls felt sure they were charging the right person. You see, Mary was seen as pious and was well-respected in the Salem community. When Mary was asked about these accusations, she responded with, Sir, I never complied with Satan, but prayed against him all my days. I have no compliance with Satan in this. I will say it if it is my last time. I am clear of this sin. Unquote. it's unknown as to why but mary easty was allowed to go home on may 18th about two months after she had originally been taken in
0: mm-hmm.
1: however she was arrested again on may 20th after mercy lewis once again claimed mary's ghost was plaguing her other girls backed lewis's claim easty was imprisoned for the second time at which point lewis said the hauntings had ceased After being in chains for several months thereafter, she was hanged on September 22, 1692. Her final condemnation occurred on September 9, 1692. Robert Califf, author of More Wonders of the Invisible World, remarked that Mary Eastie's final words were, quote, as serious, religious, distinct, and affectionate as could be expressed, drawing tears from the eyes of almost all present. Later, she and seven others were dismissed from being the eight firebrands from hell by Cotton Mather. Some of Mary's last words were that of wishing for the witch trials to come to an end. Her sister, Rebecca Nurse, also was hanged on July 19, 1692, unlike Sarah Cloyce, who was later released in January of 1693. There wasn't any more information about that, but maybe mm. the trials were winding down. I don't know. Maybe. I didn't check into that, actually. Ah. Caliph also quoted Mary's document to the judge as saying, quote, "'I petition your honors not for my own life, for I know I must die, and my appointed time is set. But the Lord, he knows it is, that no more innocent blood be shed.'" The Lord above that is the searcher of all hearts knows that I shall answer at the tribunal seat. I never knew the least thing of witchcraft.
0: Unquote. Hmm. Later in November, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was going to say so many innocent people died. Yeah, so many, so many.
1: I mean, yeah, they were all innocent. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Later in November, Mary Herrick, not one of any of the people who testified or made accusations against her, said that she was visited by Mary's ghost who said she was wrongfully hanged and was innocent of her charges. She spoke with Reverend John Hale about this matter. Herrick said she came to right the wrong on Mary's behalf. Marytown Eastie's family received 20 pounds in compensation for her wrongful death in 1711. You know, I don't know how to do it, I know there's another podcast, and probably many, who actually can figure out what £20 would translate
0: into today's money, but that's me, what she received. Let me check. All right. Well, I couldn't find anything really very quickly, so I'd probably have to really look into that. Yeah. I am I should have looked into it. I didn't think
1: about it, actually. No worries. Okay. Well, that wraps up my section about Mary Town Eastie. It got a little confusing between Mercy and Mary, Uh, Yeah, (laughs) but uh, it's in our blog. You'll be able to see it. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on. Sylvia, would you move on to your... I'm
0: not going to give it away. You tell. Okay. Okay. Today, I'm doing magic wands or the witch's wand. Wands as magic tools, whether in fiction or real life, have been around for a long time. Now, wands in modern times are used by occult and magic practitioners, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, Thelema, and Wicca, as well as others. Wands are used to collect, direct, and release personal energy in spells and rituals, generally in a gentler way than an athame, which is a ritual dagger. Wands are associated with fire, and some are in tarot cards, but some associate wands with air in ritual, Often, but not always, wands are made from wood. But you can find rock, like selenite wands, bone, metal, or clay. Now, a little history looks to be in order. The Red Lady of Paviland, originally thought to be a woman, but was later found to be a young man, was buried some 30,000 years ago with a wand, among other things. In the Middle Kingdoms of Egypt, hippopotamus tusks, that are naturally curved, and then they would split them in half after being taken from the hippopotamus, were used in birthing ceremonies. Now, these tusks were inscribed with pictures of gods and goddesses, or generally stuff to, like, the sun god Ra or such. How cool. Yeah.
1: Although, not sure how I feel about... um...
0: Harvesting it from (laughs) hippopotamus. Yes, excuse me. This may have been used to appeal to the hippopotamus goddess of childbirth, Tawaret. Wands also appeared in the stories of Homer, the Greek writer. Three gods' goddesses used them, Hermes with the Cadices, which put people to sleep or woke them up, Athena, which she used hers on Odysseus to make him old and then young again, and Circe, or Circe, to turn odysseus's men into pigs. In the 1st century AD, a wand was a well-known symbol of magic in Rome. Even Jesus Christ was depicted using a magic wand on several sarcophagi in the 3rd and 4th centuries. That's crazy. I know, right? That I would... would
1: be considered sacrilegious now.
0: Yeah. Wands were brought into everyday magic via the Latin grimoire, The Oathbound Book of Honorius, during the 13th century. Later in the 16th century, wands were used in the Key of Solomon, which was very popular with occultists for a long time. The mid 1800s saw the writing of Philosophy Occult by Elphus Levi which inspired the founders of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn to use the wand as one of their main tools in ritual. An 1888 English translation of The Key of Solomon inspired Gerald Gardner, the creator of Wicca, to use the wand and other tools. But in this case, what's relevant to us is that he decided to use the wand. Mm-hmm. In modern times, wands are used in British governmental ceremonies to represent the power of their office and, of course, in magic rituals, both religious and otherwise. Wow. Yeah. Next, we have the tarot. Okay. I drew the Ten of Wands.
1: This card is speaking to the weight of the world being on our shoulders during this bountiful phase. It may seem like we have to be the ones to keep everything in balance. We've worked so hard to create the realm we choose to live in, and it's difficult to see any one thing fall away. So we manage, we micromanage, until we've worn ourselves out. Does the burden rest solely on us? Everything has to be in its specific place and in order for things to run smoothly, or so we think. It is true, of course, to a certain degree. However, leaving room for spontaneity and creative forces is equally important, and there's little chance of doing that if it's under constant scrutiny. What we've created will still flourish if we relinquish some of our control. Releasing and trusting in the process will be helpful at this time of abundance. Look at how you might be overseeing things too closely. In what way can you open yourself up to receiving assistance and allowing others to take part in your venture? How might this be helpful? Very cool.
0: Thanks. I love it. (laughs) Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. Also, come join us on Facebook, Twitter. We'd love to have you. Yes, we would. Okay. That's it for today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long and thank you for writing with us.
1: This has been Powered
0: Powered by by Magic.
1: Magic. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Bye.